Derek Carr and the New Orleans Saints offense definitely impressed during their preseason debut. However, how and why? We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, to all you everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can always subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss the latest episodes. And if you want to keep the conversation going one-on-one with me, take part in our exclusive film studies, Q&As, film breakdowns. There's a whole bunch you can check out over at joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnSaints to join a community that I would love for you to be a part of. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson. No law on your favorite social media, your New Orleans Saints expert, credentialed member of the media. You can find me as a senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can also find me every Tuesday in the Locked on NFL podcast and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And on today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're going to go through some more of the positives, but really in depth, like taking a little bit more depth here, not super in depth, but we're going to go a little bit more in depth than just the eye test, right? What did the New Orleans Saints do that was so impressive? Why and how? We'll break that all down. We're going to get to who didn't help themselves in the preseason opener. Not everything was roses and rainbows, like I mentioned yesterday, and still what's to improve for the first team offense and first team defense. But let's start off here with what exactly went right for the New Orleans Saints in their opening preseason win, 26 to 24, against the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, one thing that went right for them, of course, was a game winning field goal. But before all of that, Let's take a look at the first drive against the or, or for the New Orleans Saints, a drive in which Derek Carr goes six of eight. The New Orleans Saints run four additional times to go 85 yards in a total of one or in a total of 12 plays, taking just over five minutes off the clock. And then, of course, ending in the end zone. So if we take the bare bones of that, it's easy to say, well, they scored, Ross. That's the good thing. But let's take a look at a couple of the different elements of it. There was a couple of plays where they used motion before the snap, something we didn't see a lot of in the New Orleans Saints offense last year. We saw some eye candy. If you look at the run for Jamal Williams, that was maybe like a two-yard run. Um, something that on surface level was just a run up the middle, but notice the play fake to Adam Prentice first, the handoff to Jamal Williams after, and the end-around action and eye candy by Chris Olave on the outside. These mis- This misdirection this eye candy, this motion, all of these things, something we saw missing from the New Orleans Saints offense last year, creativity. We saw swing pass to um, Alvin Kamara. We saw a screen pass to Alvin Kamara that almost turned into a score. Maybe if he cuts inside behind his blockers instead of outside towards the sideline, maybe it would have been a score, but it's okay. It didn't take long for the Saints to punch things in after that. We also saw completions from Derek Carr to Juwan Johnson to Michael Thomas, a passing attempt to Chris Olave, completions to Alvin Kamara, a completion, of course, to Kirk, uh, Keith Kirkwood, which was the touchdown. So several different receivers targeted in just the first 12 plays. We saw the, the wealth spread, if you will, across the way that the Saints were deploying their offense, including three different wide receivers catching passes. Um, 
I think that those things in particular are all good highlights on how and why the New Orleans Saints offense was so impressive during that first drive. It wasn't just about the scoring in the end zone. It was also about the window dressing. It was about the the spreading, the sharing of the wealth by Derek Carr. It was about the distribution. It was about the eye candy. It was about the screen pass being back. It was all of that. And we also saw good pressure recognition by Derek Carr and that New Orleans Saints offensive line. Yes, there were a couple of plays where he was under pressure, but we saw him handle that with composure. We also saw one of those plays be a screen pass, which is designed to let that pressure through. You're trying to get players behind the play on the screen pass, and it worked to perfection for New Orleans. So uh, I think that those are the other things where you just want to pick out some elements of the offense to say, okay, now let's take that and we can start to build what we expect to see during the regular season. These things got them off to a really, really good uh, first step. Uh, Handling the pressure with patience and composure. That was another thing that I thought went well. We just kind of broke that down. So let's flip over to the defensive side here. Over on the defensive side, I think the thing that I really enjoyed seeing were multiple hats to the football when tackling, at least early, right? When we saw, you know, the the run up the middle where um, uh, Pete Werner got in first, wasn't able to secure the tackle, but it was okay because you had, you know, uh, Colin Saunders right there to help clean it up right after the play. Um, the fourth and one, the, the direct snap that the Kansas City Chiefs tried to pull off, Pete Werner there immediately. He comes around the line of scrimmage, gets gets his arms around the ball carrier, and then bam, everybody else kind of jumps in there and multiple hats to the football. This is something that the Saints didn't do well last year, especially early on in the year. It got better throughout the season, but one of the reasons why there were so many missed tackles earlier in the season for New Orleans and there were late is because you saw so many one-on-one tackling opportunities that offenses forced the New Orleans Saints defense into. We saw early here in this preseason game, the Saints sort of mentality of group tackling, getting together, bringing everybody, working together to bring down the ball carrier, all of that. And by the way, I'm just really excited to see Pete Werner fully healthy again this year. Remember last year, he started off, he was leading the NFL in tackles for a long time up until his injury, and then things kind of slowed down for him. But he was off to a fantastic start last year. He looks to be off to a fantastic start again this year as well. So watch out for number 20 all throughout the season. Uh, Finally, I think being able to take advantage of the offensive mistakes that presented themselves was another big part. I mean, you saw Ugo Amadi, you know, the ball gets tipped up into the air by Alante Taylor, who played fantastic on the outside, obviously still has a lot to do on the inside. We're going to break that down later, but played fantastic on the outside. And he, you know, Alante Taylor gets in there, he knocks a ball up, up into the air. Ugo Amadi turns around, tracks it, comes down with the catch and the interception. Kyle Phillips, in the most clutch moment of the game, around a minute left in the game, gets the big man interception along the defensive line when they were trying to dump a pass off to the to the the, the flats or a screen pass on a third down, just a bad choice by the Kansas City Chiefs. And Kyle Phillips made them pay for it. These are the moments that you want to see, taking advantage of the offensive mistakes that present themselves. Takeaways are about skill. Yes, they're about good coverage. Yes, of course, they're about making good plays 100%. But it's also just about taking advantage of when the offense makes mistakes. We saw the New Orleans Saints do that on two different occasions. Uh, And I think that that's good because in this game, in this preseason game alone, the Saints had two interceptions, which is nearly, which is more than a quarter, actually, of the interceptions that they had all of last season, where they had only seven. So pretty good, (laughs) pretty good. Not mad at that at all. 
Uh, and the last thing that I'll mention too is just the the pass catching acumen throughout this roster is really good. Multiple tight end sets. Um, you know, you could see that going all the way down to like when Jimmy Graham caught his pass. Um, you know, Taysom Hill getting more involved in the receiving game. We said that it was going to happen, and you saw a good illustration of it during the preseason game yesterday. A lot of people got upset about the idea of Taysom Hill being involved in the receiving game. I don't understand why that's a bad thing. He's still going to play quarterback, but now he gets to be more involved in the game in between those quarterback snaps because he's being developed as a receiver. I think that's a good move. And so we saw that. We see the pass catching acumen at the top. Earlier today, I was walking around. I had my phone in my hand. As I was walking, I dropped, like I, I accidentally like dropped my phone and I caught it. And the first thing I said was A.T. Perry. Like that's where we are now. Now all of a sudden the New Orleans Saints have a plethora of pass catchers and that's exactly what they wanted to have going into the uh, 2023 season. And by the way, I said A.T. Perry because I caught it securely. I did not say A.T. Perry because I dropped it in the first place. If that was the case, I would have probably said some other player's name, but uh, <laughs> some, some players from, from the past name. But yeah, no, A.T. Perry has become the, uh, the, the pass catcher name in, in the household right now. Anytime I catch up, A.T. Perry, A.T. Perry, we out here. So, uh, you know, you love seeing all of that pass catching down the roster because that's going to have a, a lot of impact for the New Orleans Saints, especially if they deal with injuries at any of those pass catching positions. You've got good depth there. That's good. So these are all things that worked for the New Orleans Saints, but what's still left to improve for the first team offense and first team defense? Yeah, it wasn't all perfect. So let's break it all down and let's be honest in our evaluation as we continue on with today's episode of Locked On Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Saints brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, one of my favorite places to play fantasy because they got the best ball format. And as a busy person, the best ball format is the best format for me. You basically treat it like your normal live snake draft where you go through, you draft your team by position, all these other things. Uh, but there's no waivers, there's no trades, there's no in-season management. Underdog actually just sets your lineup and optimizes your best lineup based on who are your top scorers. So even if your top scorer at quarterback is on the bench and that outscores your starting quarterback, boom, they'll optimize it for you. Best players total becomes the total for that position. You can try it out as well over at Underdog's Best Ball Mania Tournament, the biggest fantasy football tournament ever. Now $15 million in total prizes. You're going to want to go and check that out, including an absurd $3 million for the winner. Just visit underdogfantasy.com or find Underdog Fantasy in your app store today and use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all caps, all one word, to get your Deposit, your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's on Underdog Fantasy promo code locked on. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. New Orleans Saints had a fantastic performance with their opening first team offense and first team defense, I thought played very well also, but it wasn't all perfect. There are still some things to improve upon after my rewatch last night. We're going to break it down here on today's episode. I appreciate you as always, all the everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. As you know, the intent of this show has always been to make the smarter experience for a Saints fan, right? To make it better to be a Saints fan every day, but with the intent, the express intent of us all becoming smarter throughout all these exercises. And one of the ways that you become smarter as a football fan is to not just rest laurels on what went well, but to be critical and investigate, right? Instigate the things that did not go well. So let's look at the things that didn't go well because it's not all roses and rainbows, as we like to say here on the show. Um, but it's not 
a lot of detriment either. Like, look, I know that the second, third, fourth, seventh teams didn't play well, but a lot of the guys that you saw that didn't play well in this game, first of all, it was their first ever NFL action, but also like if you see them on the field during the regular season, there's a much bigger issue than them being on the field in the regular season and what their performance was in the preseason, right? Like that's, that's just kind of the reality of it all. So we don't need to dig into all that stuff, but let's focus on what didn't necessarily go great for the first and second teams. First thing was getting back, getting used to the dome noise. So we did see this with Jake Hayner late, but we also kind of saw this at the beginning of, uh, at, at, in the first drive, the false start, right? Derek Carr is trying to make some adjustments at the line of scrimmage. As he's making those adjustments, he's moving. Somebody jumps, boom, flag. There you go. It's a false start. And, and one of the things that Derek Carr said in his presser, his post-game presser, uh, was that like all false starts he takes upon himself. What could I have done to communicate a little bit better, uh, to have been clearer, to let everybody know, hey, we're not about to jump here. We're not about to take the snap, like not confusing the snap count, all these things. So I think that there's a little bit of that in terms of like what Derek Carr takes in as like, hey, I, I, I'm accountable here. But there's also the, the, the dome noise, right? Like we watched the dome noise impact a few plays uh, across this game, both for the same, both in favor of the Saints defense but also both against the Saints offense. And I um, can't remember who it was. I think it was, um, I think it was Brian Bianami who was on Twitter saying like, this is just a perfect example. Oh no, sorry, it was Deuce. It was Deuce Wyndham uh, from over at the uh, Hudak Confessional Podcast who does some like incredible film study work. You can go and check that out or you should go and check that out. Um, was talking about like, this is just a testament of the New Orleans Saints fans, right? Like this is what it's like being here in New Orleans and playing in the Dome. There's always going to be noise and it's going to be loud, loud noise. Doesn't matter if it's preseason, regular season, postseason, Super Bowl, there's noise, right? And so I think that like, that's just one of those things that you kind of have to get used to and have a better command and control of so that you don't have to worry about that happening to your offense when it's supposed to be the advantage for you is that the, is that the audience is going to be a little bit quieter. And I got to tell you, Derek, they only get louder in the third and fourth quarters, man. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it, first quarter is easy. Third and fourth quarters, not so much, man. So like, you you know, those are things that are just small adjustments and whatever that that you would definitely like to see. But I do think it's a testament to the home audience as well, that they were like, y'all were so hyped for a preseason game. I love seeing that. One-on-one um, -on -one tackling for the younger players. So this is where you kind of look at a little bit of a blend of first team defense, but also some of the guys that are a little bit further down the roster. Because what we have to remember is that if you're the second string so, quote unquote, right, air quote, second string defensive tackle in, let's say, Malcolm Roach or Brian Brzee, you're going to see snaps, like you're going to be out on the field. And, and neither of those guys had any of these concerns. In fact, actually, Malcolm Roach made a great hustle play on a screen pass that I loved where he turned, got back downfield the opposite direction and made the play. But just as an example, like you're going to see more than just your first team, quote unquote, on the field. When the Saints are in an obvious passing situation on a third down, They'll add in a, a sixth defensive back. So you see your usual nickel set, and then you'll add a dime player in, like an Ugo Amadi or like a Jordan Howden. Those players are players that you want to see sort of the one-on-one -on -one tackling opportunities get a little bit better. This comes with reps, right? And this goes for the younger guys like a Jordan Howden, like a Smoke Monday, these guys. Um, just knowing that, like, look, if you're on this roster, you're seeing the field on the defensive side. You're getting out there at some point. Injury or not, you're, you're getting playing time. So finding those one-on-one -on -one tackling opportunities, getting better in those situations, which just takes reps. It just takes opportunities. Remember, you can't tackle in practices, so it's hard to practice tackling in practices, right? 
Um, you got to be able to get used to that kind of stuff and you have to be able to win those moments. Got to be able to win those moments. So I think that that's a big one. And then I think like that goes to the younger players, kind of goes to the older players too though, right? Like the body is young, the body is old. I think that in any or older, I think in either of those circumstances on the extreme ends of the, of the spectrum, you want to make sure that everybody's comfortable with the one-on-one -on -one situations. And so I think that that becomes a big thing that you'd like to see get mitigated for the Saints defense by either A, improving the tackler's abilities, which is a little bit tougher to do when you can't practice tackling uh, on an actual human being. Uh, but then the other part of it is what we started to see early on, which was multiple hats to the football. Um, depth, depth, depth on defense, I think was a big thing. We saw some really good stuff from the New Orleans Saints defense. We saw their defensive line not get moved off the line of scrimmage. We saw the defensive line breaking through and getting pass rush, all these other pieces. Uh, I thought that the second teams were good for each unit when it came to the defensive line as well as the secondary. But I think that when you look back at the first team, one of the things that you want to just see them continue to improve is, is, is discipline, right? Being in the right spot. And the Saints have worked a lot on this stuff. Lane discipline has been a big, uh, big emphasis for them in everything from you know, defense, which is more like run fits and stuff like that. So like special teams and kick coverage and everything like discipline has been a big thing. Eye discipline has been a big piece that they've worked on. They're putting those goggles on the defensive backs to kind of section off all the peripheral vision, force their eyes to focus on what's happening in front of them so that when they take the, the those lenses off, when they're out of those individual drills and then they're back out on the field where obviously they're not going to wear those blinders, that the eyes are trained and respond appropriately to watching the things that are up ahead of them and up in front of them. I think that those are places where like discipline just has to continue to be valuable, worked, and, 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 and really paid attention to. And so some of that's run fit, some of that is pass rushing lanes, some of that is, you know, when you're stunting, who, you know, maintaining discipline for one another, so you're not running into one another, things like that. And then of course, the eye discipline over on the defensive side is huge as well. So I think that those are all like, easily manageable things. Now we're going to get to some of the other things that are like more issues in depth coming up next here in just a second. Uh, and when we go into like who didn't help themselves today, we talked about who helped themselves yesterday. So let's do this. Um, but I do think that ultimately, like there's nothing here that's hard to diagnose and everything that is diagnosed is not hard to address. And that's a good place for you to be after just one preseason game. So like I mentioned, we talked about the players that helped themselves in yesterday's postcast. Let's talk about the players that didn't help themselves and now are looking towards these joint practices in the next two preseason games to get it done. We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Football season is about to kick off. Preseason's underway, so I know you're getting ready for that regular season, and FanDuel is going to give you the chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner you're going to get bonus bets every time that team wins during the regular season so that means you just pick one team any team as your Super Bowl winner and then you're going to get bonus bets for every victory all throughout the season and you can use those bonus bets on spreads player props over unders and so much more really cool way to just win 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 all through the season. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on to start earning those bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. Once again, that is fanduel.com slash locked on. Let's 
get it, Houdat Nation, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a quick list of the players that didn't necessarily help themselves yesterday in yesterday's preseason game. So I went through five players that helped themselves, um, A.T. Perry, Ugo Amadi, Ellis Merriweather, and more. Keith Kirkwood, of course, Blake Groupie. There you go. There's all five. Um, but I want to talk about three or four players. Really, it's not, it's more than that. But, you know, a few players that like didn't really help themselves much uh, throughout this preseason game. Now, I want to be clear. This isn't to say that they're done, that they're toast and that they won't ever make the roster or anything like that. This is just around like, OK, who's got to go back to the drawing board? Who's still got stuff to prove over the course of the next couple of weeks with real opportunities to do it? Joint practices, preseason games, got all that still around the corner. Let's start with the offensive line depth as a whole. Um, this was a little challenging for the New Orleans Saints, right? To like see their third team offensive line just get blown up all throughout the second, like the second half of the second quarter and the entire third quarter. That was a, I think John Hendricks tweeted, it was a dud of a quarter. Uh, and it really was for the third quarter. And we have to remember that once Andrus Pete is healthy, either Andrus Pete is starting and James Hurst is a part of that second team defense, or excuse me, second team offensive line, or James Hurst is starting and Andrus Pete is a part of that second team offensive line. In either case, that's better than what you have as your second team offensive line right now, especially with guys hurt. So when I look at the offensive line depth, I think the things that I kind of watch and I go, uh, a little bit of struggle there. We saw like the false start and we saw some holding penalties. We saw a lot of operational penalties. There's something that too needs to be worked on. Sorry, I meant to put that in the what needs to be improved thing. Penalties, again, still a problem. We know there's going to be flags when the New Orleans Saints are playing. We just know that's going to be the case, but there are some things you can control and you, you got to control those moments. Uh, and the offensive line had a little bit of struggle with that. There were a lot of pressures given up by the offensive line late. And even when the pressures weren't given up, you can see guys like Jameis Winston and Jake Hayner be impacted by pressure that was given up beforehand and then reacting to that. There's a sack that Jameis Winston took where the pressure wasn't really there yet, but because he clearly didn't trust what was in front of him, he kind of reacted thinking that the sack was coming. He kind of bent over and bent down and that allowed the, the players to swarm and be able to get around him. And that's not really on Jameis, right? Like that's on the impact that he felt from not having an offensive line in front of him for the most part. And so uh, I, I, it, it's one of those things, you know what I mean? It's where you just want to see that get a little bit better. And, and you know, you're tapping into the depth of your offensive line. Like you just know that that's going to be the case in 2023 um, because your offensive linemen are going to get hurt. Offensive lines don't stay together in the NFL all 17 games. So you're going to have to find out who are the most quality depth players that you have there. So I would say right now, the entirety when it comes to offensive line depth, with the exception of a couple of players, I actually thought despite the penalties, Max Garcia played okay. thought Calvin Throckmorton had a mostly good game, thought Lewis Kidd performed well. But outside of that, you saw a lot of players struggle. And I think you just want to see that. And you saw those players struggle too, right? Not, I just thought that they had the best performances of the depth players. Um, and we'll see more once I'm able to go through the all 22 today, but yeah, it's it, it, not looking great uh, for the New Orleans Saints offensive line and definitely something they should continue to address when it comes to depth. Uh, next on the list is Jake Hayner. And I don't mean that Jake Hayner hurt himself. He just didn't necessarily help himself. He's just kind of right where he was. Didn't really move the needle a ton. Things did get better for him as kind of the jitters got out. You saw the couple of miscommunications. He missed Kawan Baker, who was wide open on a crossing route, kind of led it a little bit too much. Missed another pass downfield, put it behind a player, missed that 
pass to James Washington, a little bit of miscommunication on that left sideline, which led to the interception uh, by the uh, Kansas City defensive back. So uh, I, I just think that you look at where Jake Hayner has been all throughout camp. We've seen interceptions from Jake Hayner all throughout camp, but you saw what you saw from him throughout camp as well is a decisive thrower, a guy who knows where he wants to go with the ball. And once he makes that decision, the ball's out, good ball placement, things like that. We didn't necessarily see that once everything's flying at full speed. And look, first time on an NFL stage being under those situations stuff like that. that's why I say like he didn't hurt himself at all he just didn't really show people didn't get a real opportunity to show the fans what media have seen and what the players have seen throughout training camp and the coaches have seen throughout training camp when it comes to Jake Hayner so maybe you'll get a better understanding of that next week or the week after when we get to see a little bit more of it and maybe when he doesn't have kind of the the jitters to work out as much um, then you'll start to see what we saw towards the end when he got into kind of that two minute drill situation and all that. And then the, the, the fumbled snap wasn't really on him. He wouldn't, he, he explained he was going up to the line of scrimmage. He was trying to kill the play, change it to whatever the second play was and said, easy, easy. And the offensive lineman heard set hike and, and hike the football. And that's, you know, and that's kind of, and snap the football. And so that's kind of where that two point conversion went wrong. So I don't really put that on anybody. That's just, you got to get used to the dome, to the dome sounds. That's what we were talking about earlier. Um, I want to be careful about how I phrase this because I don't want an immediate reaction to it, but I'm speaking specifically about him in the slot. I don't think Alante Taylor helped himself as a slot cornerback. I think though he helped himself as a boundary corner. So when I'm talking about Alante Taylor, the slot corner, I thought that, look, he, he got beat on the first snap. Um, out there, which was kind of like the first time in this system that he's really gone out, lined up in the slot and taken that snap from the slot, got beat downfield. And then, then there was a miscommunication, uh, either one play later or a cut, just a couple plays later between him and um, Bradley Roby for the touchdown, right? And those drills, they work. They work those drills where they have two wide receivers and two defensive backs lined up inside the five yard line. And they run all those rubs and picks and all those different types of routes. And so it's not like they don't work on those, right? Like they, they work on those just like they do one-on-ones and things like that in New Orleans State's practices, which I've always found interesting, but there was the application, but unfortunately not the desired result. And so then you look at later on in the game, he's out there as the outside corner gets in, pass breakup, knocks the ball in the air, Ugo Almaty gets the interception. So so I, when I say that he didn't help himself, what I mean is that he didn't necessarily help himself in terms of the slot role, but I think that he closed the gap a little bit when it came to the boundary role. I think he just needs more snaps in the slot, just needs more reps. Like again, practicing is one thing, but actually having to apply, sometimes you just got to get beat a couple of times and then you start to figure it out. We'll see how many more opportunities he gets to continue to do that. But Alante Taylor, the outside corner so far, vastly superior to Alante Taylor, the slot corner. And I don't think that the Saints need him in the slot. They've got Bradley Roby. They've got Ugo Amadi as some slot specialists. They're okay. But I do think that it's good for Alante Taylor's game to just continue to develop more skills. And then finally, look, I'm going to reserve my judgment on the linebackers. Um, I was thinking about adding the linebacker depth here, but I actually didn't see bad things from Zach Vaughn when he was asked to rush the passer. I saw not great things from Zach Vaughn when he was asked to cover out of the backfield. But we've always known that that was not the strongest part of his game. We saw some pretty solid things from DeMarco Jackson. I know he had the holding penalty on literally the first play of the game in the kickoff, uh, but he had a pass breakup. He had he was involved in a couple of other plays as well. He had some nice tackles. He had some nice stops, stuff like that. So I wasn't discouraged by linebacker depth, but I am reserving my judgment for it for right now 
Uh, part of it is because I want to see Jalen Smith in action next week and then see if we maybe get a better idea of what the barometer is uh, for the position. Uh, but uh, so I'm not going to put it on my concern list yet, but it's on my watch list. It's on my concern watch list for right now because it's been a concern throughout training camp, but wasn't as bad as I expected depth wise when it came to the preseason game. I, I thought Nephi Sewell had a nice moment or two. I thought Jameis had nice moments. I don't know why I just said that. He's not a linebacker. Well, while I'm just naming players that had nice moments, I thought Smoke Monday smoked somebody. Uh, but then at a later point, he went for a tackle instead of going after the ball and gave up a big catch. So look, these things kind of, they go back and forth, right? They fluctuate. It's the preseason. That's what this is all about. It's working out the kinks, getting reps, you know, living a fight another day, living a fight another down. So, all right. I appreciate y'all. We'll be back with you tomorrow with all 22 film notes. No second show today since the Saints are off today. I'm taking it easy today. Uh, but we'll be back at you with two a days starting up tomorrow. Film notes in the morning, just on the opening drive on offense and defense. And then we'll get into um, our post-practice live show tomorrow afternoon because the Saints will be back at practice tomorrow. And then we're traveling on Wednesday to Los Angeles. So I'll have a morning show for you on Wednesday, but no live show Wednesday afternoon. And then Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Friday, you know how we do. I appreciate y'all as always for coming through for another episode of Locked on Saints and making us your first listen of the day. Every day, all 22 film notes tomorrow, as well as our live show tomorrow afternoon. Thanks as always for making Locked on Saints a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.